Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. I go visit my parents. My dad on September the 29th, he turned 99. My mom is 90. Uh, they live together in their in their house. You know, they're fine. I mean, their their health is it's what you would imagine of people that age. But I'm inquiring about I'm inquiring about great great grandparents. And I hear this story of my mother's great grandmother. Actually, she would be my mother's grandmother. So she would have been my great grandmother. You know, times were hard, difficult. She lost her husband when he was in his fifties. And I said, well, what, how did she respond, you know, to his death? And they said, she just, she just worked, you know, she worked in the garden. So my dad said, yeah, we came, we pulled up to the house and she was up on the roof, reshingling part of the roof. You know, it was her response to this man that she'd been married to for however many years. He was just in his 50s, and she lived up into her 90s. So, I mean, she was without him probably longer than she was with him. But, you know, that that was her reaction, which I find is was very typical of that era. Uh, women and men, just you just di- dive into the work. She could not control, and you had sent me this quote for us to kind of noodle around, and we've had a couple of weeks to ponder this. When you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. That's where your power is. And so when I, when I saw that quote, and I just got back last night from visiting my folks. They live here in Dallas-Fort Worth, but clear on the other side of town. You know, and I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it's just the way that she did it. There's no, there's no necessarily right or wrong in that scenario, but you and I've talked before in the past on the podcast, as well as just in our conversations privately, it's just so easy to fight fire with fire, right? I mean, it is just so easy when, when bad things are happening for us to get bad, somebody behaves poorly toward us for us to behave poorly toward them and anybody else. And it's, and it's absolutely contagious. Bad behavior, I would argue, is more contagious than good behavior. That's right. And they they both can be. More natural response. Yeah. Good behavior, you have to sometimes take a breath and filter and then speak, right? Yeah. Uh, so Way takes, more intentional. It more, yes, it's it's intentional and it takes more effort and energy to to craft it well um, and still be genuine. You know, you right. don't want to just speak something that you're not going to live. That's, that's right. Not either. That's not good either. And you and I've talked about, I, I've told, I don't know how many people that I've counseled or talked with. And I have said, you know, when they're going through a, a tough time, they're going through that somebody that's treated them poorly. I said, listen, life is 10% how you make it and 90% how you take it. So choose well, mm-hmm. choose well, because it's easy to just be down in the dumps. And we all have those. We're all going to have stressors and bad days and bad moments. But really, you've got to craft how you choose to approach it uh, and choose your attitude. We've heard that forever. Yeah, choose your attitude. Attitude is everything. Those common things you hear. And it's true because, like you said, with it being contagious, you've got to know how 
out, especially as a leader, people are watching how you respond to things and they will follow that. If you're responding negatively and bashing a department on how they did something, they're going to follow that lead and bash as well. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have moments with somebody you trust going, good grief, this is frustrating. That, that individual continually frustrates me, right? You can mm -hmm. have those moments with people you trust because you have to be able to vent. But you got to be careful in who you choose. You don't do that down. You can do it to a peer. You can do it up. You know, Cheryl and I, my boss, uh, I'll come in and say, I don't need you to say anything. I need to get this off my chest. And she'll go, okay, I'm listening. And she'll, she will sit there and not have a facial reaction. Mm -hmm. She will just listen and go, well, yeah, I can understand how that's frustrating. I mean, she doesn't try to solve it. She doesn't try to. And sometimes you just need a confidant like that, that you can, even as your boss, that you have a trusting relationship, that you can just say, this is frustrating me, and I just need somebody to hear about it. And then the next question is, do you need me to do anything about it? Nope. You know, because I like to handle my own stuff. It's just occasionally I, mm -hmm. I need somebody to listen. Right. Because Don certainly doesn't want to hear this every day. Before <laughs> Don, I come home. He's just waiting for, you know, to eat dinner with me. Right. Right. So, come home and unload on Don or kick the dog. Poor Don. Yeah. Well, so, but there's true. one instance. Let's focus on the first part of that. When you can't control what's happening. And I know that modern culture would have us believe that we, we are the captain of our ship and we can control our destiny. And I subscribe to all of that to the degree that we are in control. The problem is there is an enormous amount of things that we are not in control of because leadership is, is relationships. It's people. And the only way that you're going to be in control of other people is through tyranny and manipulation. Which we are not, not advocating we, at all, no, that's right. you know, so it's about <laughs> relationships and that necessarily means that you have to allow other people to make their own decisions and their choices, even if you don't agree with those. And even if, even if those are, are bad, it's not that you want them to make a bad decision. And if you're in a position of leadership and you have authority, then you can exercise some control to help train, correct, instruct that that poor behavior, but people are, we're, we're still all going to do what we want to do. Yeah. And so we're not in control of what's happening, nor are we, especially in, in city government. There's a whole lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of different interests at play. Uh, and with councils and leadership teams and executive teams and citizens and all the various groups in any community that they've got an interest in something going a certain way, there will be an equal and perhaps even bigger constituency that wants it to go the opposite way. So there's all this stuff that is completely beyond your control. And I guess you could, you can speak to it firsthand way more than I could. I mean, you could just com get completely eaten up with all that and just live your life every day, just ridiculously frustrated, thinking that you've got this no win situation. But there in Grand Prairie, Texas, you guys are proving you can win. You can win at this game. Can you make everybody happy all the time? No, 
No. No, but you do control to the point of this quote, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. I would give your city high marks. I would give I would give your CMO high marks for for doing that, historically doing that really well. Right. I th- and, I think better I think better than the average bear. Frankly. Well, it does come down, you know, it it does come down to leadership. This especially applies when you are trying to impact culture. Um you you have to be at, as we We've had our culture in place, and it started changing under Tom's leadership back in 1999 when he got here. Tom Hart. Yeah, our former city manager. Uh, But he started the culture shift to what we call raving fans and our service philosophy, uh, which is giving the customer more than they expect, right? Delivering world-class service. Um, Not an unusual goal for anybody. We all want to be excellent in service at our cities, I'm sure. That's None of us want to come in every day and say, gosh, I'm just looking forward to doing a bad job today. You know, we don't we don't do that. But when Tom instilled that in us, it was not only put on paper, but everything we did reflected around our service. And the reaction to that service is key here, because as you have challenges that exist with your people, with uh, a, a citizen that comes in upset, like you said, a political group, um, somebody that's running for office that maybe you, you, you know, that has been challenging to the city. Um, we've all had those that are in the community. Um, how you respond to them professionally, respectfully, is a reflection of the organization? You know, they, even those that you don't normally deal with that come in, they say it takes 30 seconds to make a first impression from the point you make eye contact, not from the point they get to the counter and talk to you from the point eye contact is made. Mm-hmm. And just, just hand, it's easy to, like you said, to have, if they're going off on you, to just go off and bite back. But but what's that do? You're in control of you. You're not in control of them. But your reaction to them, your response to them, if crafted well, can make an impact. Am I telling you it's going to be a beautiful outcome? No. But it will definitely reflect on the organization's values that if you hold true to them, should be a reflection, should in fact be a reflection of the values of the service level of what we expect and tell our people to do. They're going to see you doing that and they're going to want to do that same thing and respond the same way. So I think it's critical because the only people we are in charge of is ourselves. And well, I've told and that to many staff to, members. To your culture point, it's 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 got to be more than just verbiage. You know, talk is cheap. It's got to be congruent. It's got to be the organization has got to understand. This is we do this. Yes, we talk about it, but we do it. We back it up with action. Call it living and, it. Yes, Live it. and to your point, no, it's not always it's not always pretty. But hopefully, the outcome is. You know, the minute you said that, I was part of why I I went I went to celebrate my dad's ninety ninth birthday. But I was very very close to a maternal my maternal grandmother. And her name was Marie, but everybody called her Re for short, R-E. And she was a terrific cook, as many people of her generation, you know, were. And in her kitchen as a little kid, I mean, it was just an absolute one big hot mess. I mean, flour everywhere. I mean, just, but but the outcome, the roles, I mean, the the dinners that she would 
that she would put on the table, you would have no clue that the behind that door where the kitchen is, this is way before open concept housing, you know, behind that door, there is flour strewn everywhere. There's flour <laughs> on all of the cabinet doors, you know, but man, these rolls, I mean, they're to die for, you know, they're just awesome. You know, this buttermilk pie, this is, this is insanely good. This fried okra, this chicken fried steak, you know, meanwhile, behind that door, it's a, it's just one red hot mess, you know, and I think <laughs> sometimes like my house, <laughs> sometimes in our leadership though, I think, you know, I don't know. We, we may want all of this because people in leadership, people in authority, we do, we absolutely, and I, I use the pronoun we, we do tend to be problem solvers. We do tend to be alphas in that presented with a problem, throw a problem in a room with a handful of us, and we're all going to go straight to the solution or what we think the solution should be. That's going to be kind of our default response. You and I've talked about this before, because at some point, at some level, that works for us in our career problem. At some point, at some point in the ascension of authority and position and title, it stops working because now what kicks in for us is, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I don't need to listen to anybody. And now we start separating ourselves from the team and it's you guys. And then it's me. And we lose sight of the fact that part of this whole controlling what's happening, which we can't do but we can control the response is the way that we handle that to make sure that we are including ourselves. We're part of the group. Mm -hmm. We're part of the team. I mean, people can say, well, you know, yeah, up there at the fourth floor where the CMO is, well, I got news for you. The CMO is part of the, is part of, is part of the city. That's right. And if you're, if you're out fixing potholes in the street, so are you. Y'all are on the same team. I get the difference in, in authority and all of that, but I just think it's so easy for us to separate ourselves. And you and I've done this before, you know, this whole blame thing, we, we can get really fixated on, okay, well, I can't control this, but it wasn't my fault. And so now my response to this thing is going to be really negative because, well, I want to deflect. I, I don't, I don't want anybody thinking that I had anything to do with that. Yeah, it's it, it's really interesting because I think it's easy for cities to also, as I've talked to different cities over the years, we're blessed to have pretty amazing relationships with our city council and mayor. Um, although there's turnover that happens, it is it is very obvious to me of the diligent attention to council and the relationships with staff um, and the relationship with the mayor and the city manager um, that when you put the effort in, Tom did that. Tom Hart did this, our former city manager, Steve does it now. Uh, Cheryl does it now where they, they act, they, in many cities probably do this again. Remember I've been here 26 years, so I, I'm not familiar other than people talking to me about their, sometimes the challenges they face with council members and hit, you know, hidden agendas and um, individual agendas and individual goal that they want something done without regard to what everybody else wants or what's good for the team. Um, and we're pretty, we're pretty, pretty blessed. What, where you, we have, we get a lot of questions. We have new council members. 
but Steve and Tom do a pretty amazing job of each time a new council member comes on board, they have an orientation. They talk specifically about our culture, our service level, and how there needs to be mutual respect of staff, especially in open forum, that it's not time to minimize anybody or critique them um, or just diminish their value in a public setting. Because Steve does an amazing job about telling them, you know, when you do that, that's not a reflection where you're trying to impact staff. That's a reflection on you as a person and as our council member. Um, we want we want people to see the very best and that we're unified in our mission and our vision to make the community better. Um, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, but as he's talked about it, I, I see that. If there's issues or challenges that come up with staff, he works with council on the back end privately saying, hey, you know, let's really focus on, you know, just be careful how it comes across. Um, I mean, he's kind of mentioned that. And I think that makes a huge difference. And when we talk about your reactions and what you are in control of, he can't, he nor I, nor Cheryl or anybody that works with council can predict how they're going to respond in a meeting. But we can try to arm them with the information and treat them with respect. Um, and he is explain we expect that back so that we are we are a team they are they are an individual board you know they're your individual council but they are part of our community they are citizens in our community they have a vested interest and i believe in my heart they want the same things we want even if they question you they're they're probably questioning for understanding and and that is our goal to teach them understanding and it doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect and glorious but I think when you put that effort into it up front, again, going back to what we are in control of and how we respond to it, um, to not make it adversarial, but make it collaborative, that makes a big difference um, on creating a good team truly from the top down, which is your mayor and your council, who we as staff are trying to roll out their wishes and what they want to achieve long-term for the city while they're on council. Yeah. Same premise. Well, it, and again, to the point they're they are part of it as well. Yeah. It's easy to I, see them as a separate entity, yeah. right? But, and they are, but they're still a part of the overall city. They, they right. absolutely are. And they're valuable because they are the ones in front of the citizens and, and you know, we do their town halls and things like that. Right. And we, we try to do that fairly unified as a team. Um, they can do those on their own as well, but we try to help support them with staff to help answer questions well um, where we can and within the the policies, et cetera, that we have established. So I think that's that's always positive. Part of what hit me with this quote, and again, the quote is, when you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. That's where your power is. And especially in city government, the thing that that struck me with that quote was kind of what we'll call reputation management. And you got to be really intentional about this. And I don't mean reputation management by, well, I, I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to ascend to the throne kind of thing. And you very well may want to, and that's, that's fine. That's great. And that's wonderful. But I'm thinking more in context of leadership and our reputation as leaders and how people perceive us. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we should live every day of our life fixated on, I want to make everybody happy. 
you can't do that. You can't, no. But you can do the right thing all the time. And people aren't going to be happy with you when you do the right thing all the time. It's so right. easy to it's so easy to deliver in like kind when somebody well, you and I had a conversation before we hit record about getting defensive. Getting defensive just never works. It never works. There may be a litany of reasons, not excuses. There may be a litany of reasons that you could you could put out there. But I think you've got to be mindful as a leader. You got to be mindful of how that's being perceived by other people. You have something in mind to defend yourself. And you may feel like I need to defend myself. Nobody else is going to do it. So I need to stand up for myself. I'm not saying take a beating unnecessarily, but the response, the way that you control what's happening is completely in your control. And you and I both are big fans of questions, seeking understanding. So what if somebody shows their teeth and they come at you tooth and toenail and you naturally want to come back at them tooth and toenail? What if you just take a deep breath and you stay calm and you begin to ask them questions? Man, I can think of all kinds of examples that have happened to me in life where people just blurt something out as though it's fact. And we are absolutely living in a day and age where, you know, there's just so much misinformation and people make really quick assumptions and whatnot. But if we were to start questioning, I don't mean an interrogation, but if we are sincerely asking a question, for that person, you know, to help us understand. And yes, we do have an agenda and the agenda is we want to help them also understand. Right. But we're having this conversation with one another. We're both involved in the conversation. That's going to come off completely differently. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be part of reputation management that can enhance your leadership, which is what this podcast is all about. We just want to enhance your leadership, which, you know, in a word means impact you want a bigger more positive impact and you want it every day and in a moment of fitful frustration you can lose it and you can have to work like a demon to try to redeem yourself and get it back there's just so much at stake with some of these things that frankly they don't seem like there's that much at stake but you losing your cool at the wrong time and the wrong place and the wrong setting can do a lot of damage to your leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we don't, we don't want to see that, which is why I kind of, I got to cycle back to the leadership recipe that we keep talking about, you know, those two fundamental foundations of it, humility and curiosity, when things are happening that you can't control. And the assumption here is that these are bad things. These are negative things. We're, we're, we're great with happy accidents, but these are unhappy accidents. These are unhappy circumstances and our head can take us in all kinds of bad directions and none of them are helpful, Right. you know, best to just kind of tap the brakes and okay, let, let's, let's get, get our bearings and watch our mouths. You know, it's our tongue that's probably going to get us in trouble sooner right. than later. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting because as you there's a couple things you have to keep in mind when we're talking about this response and how you respond. Like you said, usually it's it's getting information back that that you don't like, right? It's it's that's you're it's creating a response because you're hearing something 
that you absolutely don't agree with. And I think the important thing here is, as we've talked about, you said the leadership recipe is just being curious, getting clarity, trying to really understand what the issue is and why it exists. And that will help you start understanding whether this is a one-off or it's a problem that we need to respond to. This is similar when I tell departments as they have an issue, because uh, in the HR world, we'll often hear, we can't hire people. It's pay and benefits. And, and to be honest, sometimes it could be pay and benefits because we I always tell people that working in a city, you're not going to be rich, but you can be full. Very different. Yep. You know, it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, I could probably make double in the private world easily as a VP of HR, but that's not what makes me full. What makes my heart full is having good people around me, having a culture that supports and respects me, right? The, the, the response. Yeah. I want to have people around me that are respectful, where I can make an impact, I can influence change, I can feel it when it happens, and it's for the good of the group. Um, part of a team. Things- part of a team and a team that you happen to love. That's right, and and that's what makes me full. Um, I don't I don't have to be the richest person uh, out of here because that's money is not for me. What's a motivator? But also when you talk about response. When we talk about paying benefits, going back to that, and they say, yeah, that's why I can't get good people because we're not paying them. When that's the initial response, I'm just telling you 85% of the time, that is not the driver of why we can't get people. There is because you can really find great people that have your same heart and drivers if you're looking in the right places. Um, the challenge is we've got to change the way we hire and fill. We've got to find the people that have the same values and goals that we do and want to make a difference. And sometimes that's not always the same that you've always been looking for. And it sometimes comes back to the work environment, the culture. Uh, And that's not always the case, but there's all I'm saying is there's components of that. So we tell managers that are having difficulties, you may want to take a look internally and see how that's going as well to blend with what we're trying to fix on. We'll look at the pay and see if we can do better and keep morale. You know, we want to pay well, but we want to keep morale and internal pay equities also appropriate because then you're creating another issue if you hire high and you and then we're we've trumped you know, jumped over people that have been here a long time that are also valuable. Now you have a whole different set of people unhappy. Mm-hmm. So there's this fine balance of paying well and fairly and competitively versus just paying what someone wants. Because if pay is the driver, typically you're not going to keep them. They are going to chase the next dollar that comes and you're going to lose them anyway. So it's all about this fine balance of internally, how you respond to the losses, how you respond to the hits. Um, When you lose somebody, how you respond. Are you going to look for ways to make it better? Are you going to really invest in what, why they left, you know, um, those are the questions that we would answer. And we often talk about doing surveys and things like that internally, just get a, get a flavor. And when people ask me to do surveys, we talk about these responses. The first thing I said, if you're going to do a survey, do you really want to hear what the people have to say? And they're like, of course we want to hear. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> that was way too quick of a response. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to hear? Because if you want to hear and you hear something bad, 
that that not just one person says, but 10 people say it in different ways, are you going to work to correct it? Because if you're not willing to work to correct it, I don't want to do the survey. People are going to wait to see what is your reaction to the, what you get? What did you do to fix it? And did you let people know about it? We always tie those three things in. So as you start, you get the survey back, hey, they they don't like the overtime. They don't like, there's no teamwork. There's we don't recognize enough, whatever it might be. I tell them the biggest next step is getting in front of that same group, crafting it out where everybody has input and then doing something about it, making a change, making a difference. You you know, Randy, you've been with me over two years. I had to do that myself. Just yeah, we because all I've do. been here 26 years doesn't mean it's perfect. I had to listen to my team and they needed different things than what I was giving them. Does it mean it was bad? They just needed different. Right. And I had to adapt to that, to to what this team needs to feed them, right? To feed them. And um, and as leaders, we have to look for those things uh, and adapt to change. We can't just keep doing what we've been doing. We have to choose our response. Tell me what you think, because, the, the again, the quote, when you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. Talk about the way you respond. Forget the outward exhibit of the response action mm-hmm. talk about the response in your head there you're, you're talking about me specifically as these challenges come up just 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 as a just as a leader what 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 what, what are your thoughts what's your advice or counsel because i i can immediately somebody says something hateful I can immediately get defensive. I can be hateful back. I can get silent. I can do any number of things. But before any of those things happen, there's something going on in my head. Yeah, for me, uh, for me and, and what I often see as I'm counseling people, because because again, remember my role as HR. I've got lots of leaders that come to me with a whole variety of problems. And that's great because we want to be valued in HR, not as gatekeepers, but as problem solvers. We, we are here as partners for our departments. So I, I love the fact that they come to us um, on any variety of issues. And for me, often it has to do with HR, right? It's, it's they need to pay more. They didn't agree right. with the offer we made. They need help on a survey. Work environment's bad. We've got an investigation. Um, I need a software. I can't hire people. I just can't find them. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things, we're always troubleshooting. And... For me, especially if it's, we need to pay them, you know, we need to pay them more. I can't get anybody because we're not paying them or something like that. I have, I literally have to pause. I have to just listen to what they're saying. I write stuff down. I'll write on a sticky, um, the points that they're trying to make. Um, And then I just, for me, I I have to filter, take a breath and then say, okay, what do you, how do you see we can fix this? You know, so I just start asking questions back. What's this going my- on through your mind before you even ask that question? Do you even know? Yeah, you usually I want to be, def- I mean, honestly, usually I wanted to be defensive and tell them everything that we are doing and that you're wrong. And, what's, <laughs> you and, know? and what stops you? Knowing that I need to be curious to understand what their actual issue is, because what they say and what they mean are Maybe usually different. different. They're giving you the outpouring of what they think is occurring in their head. Mm-hmm. Without fact, usually, because it's emotional for them. That's right. I call it H and E, huge and emotional. Mm-hmm. Their issue is huge and emotional to them. And and I absolutely 
choose to understand that. So when they have an issue H&E to them, I've got to understand that to be able to solve it, regardless of what I know that we have been doing. You know, uh, a great well, and example. It, it's potentially a, an issue, too, that they've been living with longer than you have. That's right. And, so and they've, got it, always, they've, got it worked, they've got it worked up however they work it up. That's right. Before they and even get to you. The worst thing you can absolutely do is start discounting what somebody's telling you. If you start saying, well, we're, well, well, we're doing this, this, and this. Well, we've already done that. Well, we've already tried that. Well, we, when you start doing that, you're slowly just putting the wall up and it's, it's like an elevator rising and you're watching the doors close. Yeah. And you're like, but, 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 but. Right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. You're, you're losing when you start down that path. Yeah. And so that would honestly be my natural response and probably most people's. You want to defend what sure. you have worked so hard to achieve on their behalf that maybe they don't know about. Mm-hmm. But honestly, in the moment where they are coming to you with an issue, the last thing they need is a defense mechanism and a wall put up. Doesn't mean you can't say, once you've listened that, okay, let me tell you, here's what we have done. Were you aware of those things? Yes, I was aware of those. Okay, and are those not working? No, they're not working. Okay, why are they not working for you? Well, we didn't get the posting done in time. Well, we missed the internships. Um, the school's already given us all the, in- you know, it doesn't matter what it is. We've, I tried to hire three applicants and you guys didn't make a, a good offer. What were you looking for in the applicants? Are they in the right range? Is it just you're trying to get somebody with 25 years and we need to hire the eight-year person? You know, um, you just have to start exploring what is making them tick and find solutions to that. Let me ask you right. a question. Let me insert a word here. And the word is persuasion. So in, in all in all of this dialogue with this scenario that you've just that you've just painted, is persuasion anywhere in the mix? I suspect it is. It absolutely is. Okay. But it comes so, later. It comes later. Yeah, but here's my point. My point is you you know that persuasion is coming later because you are armed with some information that they may not be armed with. That's correct. But beating them over the head is not going to help them see it or understand it. No, and I would tell everybody, you and I talked about it before that before we went live, the last it is so easy for people to start quoting rules and policies yeah, right. and this is this is how we do business. Um that's the last thing people want to hear about because they don't care. They don't care what the policy or issue is. I've got a problem and I need it solved to survive. Yeah. That's what they're in their mind. If you boil it down, this is not working. I need it fixed. It's a, it's a headache and it's a problem. And so just understanding, you can still lay those things out. You just don't do it on the front end. You just need no, to listen and I would and liken understand. I would liken persuasion persuasion the the end result of the persuasion, which is also kind of part of leadership. I mean, there's some salesmanship here. My grandmother's rolls came out and they hit the table and they were gorgeous, but it took a lot of ugly work behind that kitchen door <laughs> to get to get them there. Right? You know, right. you have to endure. You got you got to embrace the. I think you have to embrace the process. You know, the curiosity, the seeking understanding, not not with I just need to quickly get to where I can be persuasive. Right. The only reason I insert that word, Lisa, is because everything that we do up to that point 
can work against us trying to solve the problem. And you're not trying to solve the problem for you. Mm-hmm. They need people. Yeah. They got vacancies on their roster that they need filled. How does it serve you? How does it help the city for those to remain vacant? It doesn't. It's in your best interest for them to succeed. And so part of it is, yes, we've got to behave in ways that make them know I'm here to help you. I'm here to help make you successful. You don't do that by digging in a position and getting all defensive. That's right. You don't do it by fighting back. You don't do it by if they're ugly to me, well, I'm going to be uglier to them right. kind of a thing. And nobody was ever persuaded. Nobody bought anything from somebody that was an enemy. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I liken this to the, the recent situation we've had going on. That's a long-term project. And, and um, the, the great, I know this doesn't apply to everybody, but Again, I say, I've said it and I'll say it again. And I've said it before it's I'm very fortunate because we've really got a great team. Very. I can think of very few occasions where anybody's ever really nasty to, to us. Right. I mean, we have, we all have individuals where I call it, they might get a little snarky on you. They might uh, throw something at you. you. Maybe it's just a personality difference. Maybe they feel like they know how to do things better than you do. Um, you, we all have those that could probably name them on one hand. Mm-hmm. We, we can name the people by name. Current, it could be in the community. It could be in the city. It could be a peer. Well, I can, I can name more than I that, mean, all of them, right? Ahead. We have, we have, we <laughs> have this many and I'm holding up my hand. We have this many yeah, that you right. can probably name. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's your family, if it's your work, somebody that just gets in your, what do they call it? Gets in your crawl. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. they, that yeah. irritates you. Uh, but, and these tend to be the predictable people. These tend to be right. the same. They're the recurring offenders all the time. You know, when you're about to send out an email, you're going <laughs> right. to get a response and it's going right. to be a paragraph as fast as they can type it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, but and they but, even have a macro on their keyboard where they just yeah. hit it and it's just an auto hateful response. <laughs> so, but you know, I'll, I'll liken it to this. Um, so we, we just implemented living wage, um, living wage for those that don't know is the, Basically, it differs by county across the United States, and it's the basic, it's different from minimum wage, and it's the amount that the county, the dollar amount they believe that an, a single adult needs to put housing, transportation, and food on the table, the minimum amount to kind of survive in that county based on cost, and it can change every year. Well, the decision, you know, our city manager came to me, and we've got a great relationship, and he, he's like, Lisa, I've heard that another city went to a living wage. And I'm like, what's living wage? And he's like, I asked the same question. Can you, can you research that and get me back the number? And I said, sure. When do you need this by? He said budget. And I'm like, okay, that's October. This is July. You know, I'll get it to you by October. He goes, no, 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 no. We need it by budget. And, and I can't even remember if he said it right <laughs> then, but I went to Cheryl and I said, okay, I'll have this to you. I'll have the estimate by, I've got to research it. I'll have the estimate by October for budget. And the response I got back was to this effect, not exactly these words. I'm a little facetious, but it was like, no, no, F and G budget that goes tomorrow. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But because this is a huge, you have to understand, we've got 1,700 people. This is what would it take to move them? And how does it impact you? For us, when I researched it, I mean, I stopped everything I was doing. 
I could have said, no, there is no way I can get you that number. Yeah, the epitome of you not being able to control what's happening. That's exactly right. And, and I know in my heart, they wouldn't ask if they didn't need it. Mm-hmm. Timing was way worse than I thought. Um, it was urgent. I had other things I had to get done by the end of the day. And it's a um, monumental project. It's monumental. not some small ask. No, um, because they needed a no cost impact. And mm-hmm. I always tell people I am HR. I do great people things and horrible at money, <laughs> you know, so I am not the dollar person, but, but they wanted to keep it confidential at the moment. So yeah. bottom line is I had to choose my response. And when they said, I need it tomorrow, I said, okay, here's what I can do. I can get you the dollars. It is going to be an estimate because I cannot go to anybody else uh, and ask them to validate so I'm going to give you the best I can get and please keep it that way that this, this is not going to be a perfect answer. Plus it's not going to address when we, guys, we had people starting at like $9 and 92 cents living wage in Dallas County, where we are at $17 and 82 cents. So we're going from a nine to 10 to $12 rate to 1798 for us that affected six grades that would now be in one air, you know, one space. And I now have, entry workers, lead workers, and senior workers compressed into one pay rate that had been here many different years. That's called compression. So we have a much bigger problem that I couldn't resolve. I, they needed a number and I needed to get them a number. Um, so I did do that. I, I chose my response. I said, I will have this to you end of day. It will be an estimate and I'm going to guess at potential subsequent dollar values to address compression and what that means. Um, and I gave that to him at the end of the day. And for us, it was about a half a million initial impact. And then I projected, of course, a couple million over the course of a year, just a guess that we might have to address compression issues and things like that, not knowing for sure what it's going to take. Um, and so in choosing, in choosing that response, the good news is we have great relationships and that the city manager, very appreciative, but he, as he's talking to directors about this, because then he came back down the next day and he said, Lisa, and he's like at a distance of about two arms length in front of me. And all his words were, do you love me? I said, (laughs) I don't know now. I don't know if I do what's coming at. I do right now, but as soon as you finish what you're going to say, I'm not going to. And he smiled his great smile. And he, he, he said, I, hold on, I just need to check my distance. And right. He put his arm out and he goes, okay, I'm going to ask you again. Do you let me? I said, oh, I might, you know? <laughs> and he said, well, we're implementing the living wage. We made the decision. And he said, and we're doing it for October. Right. And so, and I was like, okay. And he goes, can you do that? And I said, well, of course we can do that. I just need to figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he kind of laughed about it. And I said, no, 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 don't, please don't, do, don't do this. Don't, don't do it right now. Can we have, you know, four months? Can I have six months? He mm-hmm. goes, no, nah, we're, we're doing it. And I said, okay. So then, and I, the reason I'm telling this story is because my first response was to the city manager's office. And I could have gone in there and defended my case and defended why we shouldn't do this and defended why we couldn't do this. But my response is always find a yes. It may not be the exact yes they're looking for, but 
my goal and my team's goal is find a yes in what they're asking and then tell them, here's what we can do. And here's what I don't think we can do. Or if you do need us to do that, here's what we're going to need to support that response. Um, so many people go into these discussions and they're immediately defending why they can't do something. And there's nothing that frustrates me more when I've got somebody that their first out of their mouth is why we can't do something. Because then you've already said no before you've even explored the options available to you that could potentially make us better, more efficient, valuable, whatever the, the word is for the project or what's before right. you on the issue. Think of how much if you just adapt and filter your response and think about it for a second, that it might actually be a really good idea, even in part. Yep. Right. So anyway, all that to be said now, now the second part of the response is what do I tell my team? They are absolutely buried. And now we've got to, when we assessed it over 200 positions to be studied, one position takes four weeks. Normally 200 positions to study 580 people for compression just alone. And they want, you know, and then he said, can, can, he gave us two years. I mean, I said, if we're going to do that, we need time. He gave us two years. The good news is we came back and said, you know what? I think that's going to be too hard on the departments. I think we can do this in a year, but we just need grace given to HR and CMO has 100% supported us in that. Right. So you have to just kind of mold and weave here. Okay. Here's what I'm doing for you. And here's now what I need from you for us to do that. Well, and it's finding that kind of negotiation back and forth of what do you need that's important? What do I need that's important? Let's find something in the middle that we're achieving both. So we're successful as a unit, again, as a team. And it's that back and forth response because they could have easily said, no, I need it done by October and not listened at all. But right. they didn't choose their response that way either. So it, it, it definitely, it definitely works for all people involved in the dialogue that they are choosing their response and being respectful and listening and all the things we've talked about in our leadership recipe. Since the title is grow great. So take that story and talk about your personal growth as a leader from that experience and your team's growth. And I get that you're still, you're still in the middle of it, but, but you're way past the initial request of, Hey, we want you to do this. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about personal growth because the challenges don't stop. So the next thing that happened is I'm telling my team this and they're buried for me as a leader, I had to lead them. I call leading them through it. I had to, I had to tell them guys, here's a new project before us. Here's what it is first. And I believe we can achieve this and do it well, but I'm going to need everybody's help. Who's willing to help? Cause I knew I could have designated the team. But I said, we're going to, here's the steps. Here's what we're going to have to do as a team. It's going to be kind of all hands on deck and we can't stop doing what the other projects before us are. We still have annual enrollment. We still have retiree enrollment. We still have a life and LTD bid on the table. We still have a, an assessment RFP we have to go through that's due next week. I mean, all of these things, we, we rock and roll with a million things at any given time. All of those still stayed on the plate. We could not relinquish any of them. So as the team, we talked about, here's where we need the help. I really believe we can do this. This is our opportunity as a team to really shine, not only as partners to our departments, 
but partners to a to CMO to help them achieve what council wants. Council really was excited about this. And I told them about the budget workshop, stuff they wouldn't normally know about. That response, I chose. I could have said, this is going to be a nightmare. I don't know how we're going to accomplish this. I just need everybody doing their little part. You know, I mean, I could have taken a whole different approach. And none of that would have made the actions needed easier. No, because then they dread it as much as you do. And and I and and I'm not saying it just to say it, guys. You have to you have to truly believe it. You know, I, I put myself in a position that I want this to be successful because our leadership, it's about who? Others. It's about serving others. My goal right now is to serve my city manager's office and our city council who believe this is a great thing. And now I believe it too. And I literally, I believe it's really good for the people. Now I have to solve the issues for those at impacts and solve that as well. So we go back to the team. My team from that response is on board. We even had our benefits team members stepping up, asking, you know, saying we can help. We don't know how to do it, but if you'll teach, we're willing to help. We've got this little slot of time and we'll give that to this project. Um, and everybody stepped up. And then the next thing that came down the pike is Lisa. Can we do this now instead of October? That you came know? from. And that, that, that just came from discussions of the city manager's office saying, can we, can we do this now so that people realize it right now? Okay. It helps so the, the CMO is right making now. that inquiry. Yeah, and I forgot. Okay. It, I th- it seems like there was dialogue back and forth of what would make it easier for HR. Right. Uh, they were asking us, how can we help HR? And I said, you know, doing it in October, we already have so much going on in October. It might be better if we can move it up or move it back. In other words, move it up earlier or move it yeah. back later. And they did not want to go later. Yeah. So it was kind of, Again, their response, mm-hmm. how can we make it easier for your department that's doing the work? And I said, although it's hard, I think we could do this in September instead of October and give it to them now. And they said, okay, give us a plan. Um, and we had to work with pay. It was going to impact payroll. It was going to impact us. It was going to impact the people, the departments, because now all of a sudden, all these people are 100, over 100 people are moving. And so all that to be said, we came up with a plan. We got it implemented in September 10th instead of October 8th. So people got it now. And then we've done education and things around that to help the departments. And this is, I call this, this is the first sprint in the relay race, right? We've handed the baton off on the first leg. Right, right. So, and now it's a marathon we're trying to get through with multiple sprints in between over the next year to study the rest of the positions. Um, And describe describe your team at this point. Team's doing amazing. Uh, they love popcorn and I got them some. <laughs> so yeah. I told them, I said, as corny as I am, I just said, guys, we got the first leg of the relay done in this marathon. Amazing job. CMO's proud. Departments are proud. Thank you for stepping up. We've got a lot of work before us. Here is a corny <laughs> treat to pop up some energy, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, I know, I know you don't have to say it. I know I'm dumb, but there's popcorn out front for everybody to enjoy. And we, you know, the positive, the positive impact on people though, because come on, we, we all, we all love, you know, what the internet loves to call the big, hairy, audacious goal, you know, the BHAG, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, as opposed to, hey, let's go for a 2% increase. You know, yeah. when you take on a project of this magnitude and you actually, you actually, you actually pull it off and the team sees we're doing this and we can do this, what does that do for your team? Well, it's, it's an amazing feeling because it creates unity. It creates uh, impact. They can feel what they have done for the good of the group. Uh, and that is my goal is I didn't do it. They did it. The glory went to the team. You know, when I, when I communicated it back out, the response was the HR team and payroll have finalized the living wage for this first round. Here's your impact, et cetera. And you were asking about my, my kind of what was in my head and me as a leader, how I'd grown, you know, that the, I can't say specifically I've grown because of this project. But it always reminds me about, again, the response. The glory goes to the team. You have to be the positive leader because they will follow positivity. If you are negative, it will destroy everything you're trying to accomplish because they will also follow that. And they they mimic the way you lead. That, that will become your team. So if your team, if you see a team that's destructive, negative, you really just... Be sure you're taking a look at yourself. Are you giving off anything that they are replicating? Are you giving off any negative energy? Are you talking about others? Just, just be watchful of that. And sometimes we have to, as you said before, Randy, you have to look in the mirror and make sure, am I doing everything that I want my people to do? And are they doing it well? And sometimes take a look at yourself. It is not always you. You could have inherited a group. I mean, I don't know the circumstances, you just need to take a look at yourself as part of the whole solution to to create change and create a response because that is truly what they will follow. Well, your your response could have very easily been, and you and I both know we've experienced it in too many cases where the leader gets the edict from on high, as you did, and they come in and go, "Well, they've done it to us again, done it to us again. You know, we, we've got to, we, we've got to make the CMO happy. They want us to do this. And that's a whole, now the, the activity, the outcome, the spirit, it all just, it's negative energy. Yeah. It all just goes to hell in a handbasket really quickly. That's right. And you've got the, the most important thing. It has to be consistent. You can't say one thing, do something else. People read through that in a big old hurry. Um, and, and I can't also say you won't have outliers. You won't have people that are the naysayers. That's right. Um, but those you need to address separately. That's outside of this discussion. I'm just saying, take a look, uh, truly your response, your response to any kind of issue or challenge is what your team will reflect and mimic, uh, over time. It's just like kids, babies and children will mimic, um, what they see in their, in, you know, in the grownups. They will start taking on those characteristics and behaviors because that's what they see and know to be true. Yeah. So, so as a person of that response, as a person who's fond of questions, I would challenge anybody listening to this conversation and, and myself included and you, when we get in these situations, these are, and these are, these are negative. They may not be awful. Like this wasn't awful, but this was a, a huge challenge and you could not control what was happening. Those decisions were being made above your pay grade. That's right. And so when we challenge ourselves to control the way we respond to it, which is first in our head, 
the question that leaps to my mind is how is my response going to improve this or is my response going to improve this is my response going to be self-focused i'm going to feel better because i get to vent but how is that going to make this situation better how is this going to impact everybody else and yes i think for leadership part of it is how, how is this going to affect you know my reputation management do you really want to be known as that person? Do you really want to be known as the director who's constantly throwing the CMO under the bus because they're asking you and your team to do things that you're like, you know, I don't want to take on any more work. We're up to here already. Uh, or do you want to be to Lisa's point, the, the person who is known as she always finds a way to say, yes, it might be a qualified yes, but she still is always working like crazy to always say yes. That's right. I think there's a ton of those kinds of questions that if we could, we and we can, if we would just stop to your point, you, you, you said you hit the pause button mentally, I have to mentally, you hit the pause button, but I think that's a, that's a huge takeaway from this conversation. If you don't take anything else away, take that away, hit the pause button. Now, what are you going to do during the pause? There's the rub. Mm -hmm. If, it, during the pause, you're going to ask yourself these tough questions. Okay, I need to formulate a response. What's my best response here? And what do I hope to accomplish with this response? And please, please, please don't make the response be, I want to put that person in their place. Because that ain't, that ain't going to, that ain't going to help you. Or I want to impose my will, or I just don't want to do it. Let me end on this note, because I got to, I got to throw it in there. When you can't control what's happening and the person on the other end doesn't happen to be a person that you necessarily like or even respect, how do you deal with it? You have to hit the pause button. And, you know, there's it. I don't know if I have a great answer for that because we all have those. But I try to get past the person and look at the issue and dissect the issue uh, because there have been many a time I would be lying if I didn't say that it makes me feel real good to draft the email, the first email out of the box. Just how many of us have sit here, you can't see me, but pounding at the keyboard going, oh, okay, that is it. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to rip just, them a new one. You yeah. are pounding that keyboard. Somebody can hear you down the hall, type in this response. And then I pause and I start backspacing going, okay, okay, that part's delete, good, but delete, that one delete. clearly is, that one clearly I need to, I need to step back and let's, okay, let's rewrite that one because I've done it recently. I'm just like, oh my gosh, there we go again. They're just, like you said, it's almost like they have a crafted email. Man, I'm going to just tear this apart because it wasn't my idea. It's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make sure they know about it, that, you know, this is, I don't like what HR is doing or whatever the case is. So I just try to look at, okay, what's the issue that, the, what issue do they have? And can we fix that issue? If we can't fix the issue, how do I explain the issue? Usually if that's the case, Randy, excuse me, <coughs> I pick up the phone. If it's a really bad message, I'll pick up the phone much harder for people to be nasty in person or mm -hmm. on the phone than it is over an email. Super easy to shoot out an email and then yeah. go, well, I didn't quite mean it that way. I'm sorry it came across like that. When it right. 
darn well they meant yeah, of the course. way it came across. You know, it's just harder to say that in person. So I always challenge my staff pick up the phone. The last comment I'd make is there are t- I don't want to I don't want to say it's all uh, roses and glory. You know, there are times when I do believe you and I've talked about this. You do need to put somebody in their place. They are getting out of hand. They are in your office being disrespectful. Um, they actually absolutely acted inappropriately during something. Those are not moments you filter and sugarcoat and make it just, uh, you know, peaches and roses. You just. But you're doing that for their, you're, their you're honestly doing you're it for their benefit them. and you're doing it for the rest of the group that might be witnessing that bad behavior yeah, because you don't right. want that to be contagious. So I, I just don't want to, people to walk away from this going, well, I can never say what's truly on my mind. You can definitely. There are moments when you need to tell people, sit down, do not respond. This is not a two-way dialogue. You will not do that again. You are unprofessional, and I will have a letter to you by the end of the day, and you're going to sign it. I mean, there are moments when you have to be direct Mm -hmm. and correct behavior. Absolutely. So don't take away that everything you have to you know, you have to think of a response and be thoughtful. And y'all aren't all I mean, holding hands and singing Kumbaya. No, all it's day not Kumbaya day. all the time. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. And I'm not that kind of leader. I just, I don't take a lot of, I don't take a lot of BS, but I'm thoughtful. I, I try to be respectful. But at the end of the day, if you're misbehaving, we're going to correct the behavior. I'm not going to yell at you, but you're going to correct it. And you're going to understand that my point is well made, right? I just... Yep. For, for the leader's benefit, if they have a person uh, that they need to get the point across, then we need to get the point across. And sometimes that causes you to be very direct. That's right. But if the thing that's happening that you can't control is coming from the hands or the, the mouth of a person that you don't respect, that you don't particularly like, you know, my final word would be this. If you're a high performer, Lisa clearly is, um, high performers know if I can really serve this person given whatever baggage may exist between us then how superior is my service going to be to everybody else i mean if this is as bad as it gets and i can do the right thing in this circumstance i can choose my response to be as positive and as helpful as it can be who cares how they respond i'm not in control of that i'm in control of what i do for them whether they appreciate it or not, that's a whole different conversation. For this conversation, I would say, who cares? That's not your problem. But I if, remember, you, if you can serve that person, then you think about the person that you love and you, you, you like them a lot. You want to go out of your way to serve them. But if you can, if you can capture that with a person that is on the other end of the spectrum, you're golden. Go ahead. I, well, I was going to say, I, re- I remember you had told me once as I was working through some issues and there, there was a challenge that I had on a specific person. And I, and I remember you say, how much time are you spending on them? And I said, easy, easy, 80% of my time. It's exhausting, right? Uh, trying to work with that individual, trying to help influence change, things like that. And I remember you stopping and you wrote on a piece of paper. What if, so that means 20% of the time you're spending on the rest. And you said, who are your, you know, who are the great people? And I said, well, it's the 20%, but I don't have time to spend on the 20%. I barely 
have time to greet them, you know, every day and say good morning and go upstairs or whatever I need to do. And you're like, okay, what if? And, I, and you flip the piece of paper to me and circled the 80% and then drew an arrow. And I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was like the good ones, your A team, you know, whatever it was. And I remember you focusing, say, what if we flip that scenario? And you spend 80% on the, the, the ones that need the help that you recognize and reward them and spend 20% of your time on the challenge. I was like, Randy, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't, cause they demand it. Right. And so, and, but, but again, the response was, no, I'm going to, I'm absolutely going to do that. I have been misdirecting my time. Um, And I recently mentioned that to somebody that I was just mentoring and, and they were talking about the same thing. And I said, what if you flip that script? What if you only give them 20% of your time and spend it on 80% of creating your high performers, recognizing your high performers, investing in your high performers? And and they said the exact same thing. They're like, well, that sounds so much better, right? <laughs> that would, If we could do that, not easily said. I mean, not as easily said no. than not as not easily done. done than said. But um, it was just, it's an interesting point. And that point has stuck with me. Because how many times do we find ourselves spending so much time on the challenges in our work group, in our peers, you know, whatever it might be for you that's listening, um, in your family? How much time do you spend on that issue? Probably 80% of your time. And just refocus refocus your response to spend it on the other people that that respect and value what you have to offer. All right. I'm going to leave with a quote. You got anything else you want to add to this before we wrap this up? Nope. That's all, all right. my thoughts. Here's the quote. When you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening. And we didn't talk about it, but just noodle this on your own time. That's where your power is. So if you want power, you better make sure that that response is as great as you can get it. I end the uh, I end the comments. I don't end the podcast this way, but I'm going to today because I end the show notes and you can find those by going to the website growgreat.com. But I've ended the show before Lisa and I started doing this. Be be well, do good, grow great. She's Lisa Norris. I'm Randy Kentrell. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.